You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. All right, are you ready for the word today? Now, I'm not preaching a Christmas message this morning, even though we had a Christmas program. <laughs> I plan to do that on the 22nd. That's the Sunday before Christmas. All right. But I want you to take your Bible and let's begin with Acts chapter 10. As you know, we've been discussing some things that are not always commonly believed in the church. And I um, entitled this message because I'm going to be writing a book on it called For the Record. For the record, certain things that, uh, that the Bible teaches emphatically. Just, the Bible is just emphatic about certain things. You know, it, how many of you have found out that by, by reading the Bible that it, it has opinions that, that are not really yours? <laughs> I, I read the Bible and I find things that, oh, I wouldn't have thought of that at all. I just, I, I, oh, Lord, I wouldn't even said that at all, much less, you know, you know try, try to make some sort of big deal out of it. But the Bible, the Bible has opinions and it didn't ask me about them. It just had opinions, and, and I'm learning that it's, it's my job as a believer, I've learned it over the years, that it's, it's not my job to try to make the Bible fit my experience. It's my job to make my experience match the Bible. Come on, can I have a better amen? You know, but mo- most of Christianity, in most, in most of our, you know, we, we try to make the Bible, try to prove our experience by reading the Bible, and that's just not, that's just not, the way to do it, you're gonna, you, that way you do, it's a case of whatever happens, I can find it in the Bible. No, the Bible teaches us that you can change things and you can live the kind of life that's on, that honors God, that pleases, that, and it gives you a better life. Amen. The Lord doesn't, doesn't tell us to do things because he doesn't want you to have a good life. But it tends to be that traditions stick us. Traditions stick us. A few weeks ago, my grandbaby, my great, my, 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 my number 10 grandbaby. His name is Maxwell Tate Miller. He's the one I talk about. I always talk about the baby all the time. Whichever one's baby at the time, that's the one I talk about all the time. Because they're more fun. When they get a little older, they're not, not as much fun. This, one, this one's two and a half. He's two and a half, and he's the baby of the 10. And I have three kids. Not one kid had all 10 of those. But there's, there's a spread out. But he's number 10, and he, he's, he comes over, and he kind of gets what he wants when he's at my house. If he asks me for it, if he wants it, I give it to him. His parents tell him no. I rarely ever tell him no. It's not my job. He came over there, and he said, Papa, I want some milk. I said, okay, get up in his chair. And his mother doesn't let him have milk before, before lunchtime or before supper time, you know, but I do. And so I said, get up in your chair. I said, you want chocolate milk, boy? Yeah, chocolate milk. That's just amazing, you know. Kids just love chocolate milk. This one, this one really loves it. I opened up and I poured the milk in the little sippy cup. I got the chocolate out. I'm sitting there looking at him thinking, he's two and a half. Max, you want to put the, the, the chocolate in yourself? Yeah, he'd never done that before. Yeah. So I hand it to him. I said, let's turn it up. And I helped him, you know, and I said, squeeze it hard. He's squeezing. All right, that's enough. And he was real good and compliant. 
put it away in a hand. You want to stir it? Yeah, be careful. And I held on to it. He stirred it. He loved watching it turn from white to brown, you know. Stirred it up. And we got it out of there. I put the sippy thing on. Go to town, boy. Oh, that, that, you know, it's like a bologna sandwich. You wouldn't dare eat one at home, but for a picnic, they're awesome, aren't they? You know, well, that's the way. It just made that, it just made that chocolate milk taste so much better, him doing it himself. Oh, just, 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 just sucked it right down. Next day, he was over there, did it again. Two or three days later, again. We set up, set up a little tradition. Now he puts the chocolate in and stirs it for himself. Well, a few days after all that, I wasn't there, and his parents brought him over to see Nana. That's Miss Ann. You know his Pastor Ann. Nana said, you want some milk? Yeah, chocolate milk. Chocolate milk. Get up in your chair. He gets up in his chair. She pours milk. Now, she's talking to his mom and dad sitting over there at the, at the, at the breakfast table. Pours the milk, and she just, without even thinking about it, just squirts the chocolate in there and stirs it all up. Puts a lid on it. He's sitting there watching all this happen. <laughs> he grabs that chocolate milk and just throws it in the floor. <laughs> just grabs it, threw it in the floor. Of course, his daddy lost his mind, came all unglued and beat, <laughs> beat him like he was an animal, you know. Now, now, let me remind you something. Let me remind you. That child loves chocolate milk. Turns out he loved his tradition more. The church isn't backslidden because it gets bound in tradition. It loves God. The church of Jesus Christ in every congregation, virtually every congregation, they love the Lord. But what gets us all messed up and gets us stuck is our traditions. Turns out we love our traditions more than we love God. Not that you don't love God, but you, you get your stuff up there. You know, well, I don't like the way they sung that song. I was over there, and they sung it better. Really? That preacher dresses up too much for me. Really? I got on cowboy boots. <laughs> I get hammered about dressing up all the time. I don't care. I spent my whole life not caring. Now I care how I look. You can always find something that's not of your tradition to make you miss the blessings and the power of God in your life. We all have our own little traditions. We all have them all. I had another grandson story. He was, his name is Dylan. And he was standing in our house. And he just, got, he just had this thing about him. He had to have two drinks of water and a, and, a, and a hug and a kiss and a story, you know. And they all had to come one at a time. I'd go all the way up the stairs. Papa, Papa. I'd go up the stairs. Can I have a drink? Dylan, we discussed this before you went to bed. Please, Papa, I'm so thirsty. Okay. I'll go downstairs, get the water, bring it up, drink. Okay. Go back downstairs. Papa. Go back upstairs. Dylan, what? I need a story. You didn't tell me a story. Okay, okay, I'll tell you a story. There once was a little boy who got beat by his grandparents. <laughs> no, I didn't tell that story. That's a <laughs> Told a story. I said, right. went downstairs, Papa, what? I got to go potty. Of course, you had a drink. Back upstairs, he goes to the bathroom, get him in bed. And as I get halfway down the stairs, he said, Papa! Ah! Turn around. Dylan, 
You better have something good. John, Dylan, holler. What do you want? I just wanted to say I love you. <laughs> Knelt down by his bed, asked God to forgive me, kissed him, told him how much I loved him. But, you know, they get the little traditions going, and it kind of starts with us in, 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 in our beginnings. This love for traditions. This love for traditions. We have our traditions here. There's not anything wrong with them. We put up a Christmas tree. Some people are so offended that, that the churches I've always pastored, we've always had Christmas trees. I've had people come, you know, that's a pagan holiday, don't you? What do you think you're talking to, a Jew? I just look at him. What do you think I am? What do you think you are? You're not Jewish, blue-eyed, blonde-headed pagan. <laughs> I, I'm, mm, tell me that with bacon on your breath, really? You got, you got all the nerve. You got all the nerve. Amen. Praise God. I'm from southern Oklahoma. I eat catfish, too, and I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. Now, we've got our traditions, but that, that tree, it's, it's, it's just part of our culture. These things we do, this is part of our culture, and it's wonderful. And we've, we've used our culture to celebrate the life of Jesus. Yeah. If it bothers you, well, okay, we'll take it down in a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be here in, what, about February? We'll get around to taking it down, I think. It won't, it won't be here. And I'm asking you with this series, as we're about halfway through it now, I'm asking you to hear my heart. I know some of the things I'm going to say to you don't fit your tradition. Some of them didn't fit mine. But I just determined years ago, I'm going to believe the Bible. When the Bible is clear on it, I'm going to believe that. And I'm going to teach that. Uh, but, you know, in order to believe it, you have to know what it says. You have to find out what it's actually saying first. And so here we start. Is that a long enough introduction for you? Our 19th idea that is going on the record is that the first Gentiles were saved by faith, and so are all others. This is one of the things that everyone acts like they agree upon, but they don't act like they agree upon it. What I mean is, they say it with their mouth, we believe that, but they don't act it out like they believe that. Hear me what I'm saying. There are going to be those who say, yep, we're saved by faith, but you've got to be baptized. We're saved by faith, but you've got to repent. We're saved by faith, but you've got to. We're saved by faith, but you've got to. You've got to grow this out. You've got to cut that off. You've got to make sure you do this and make sure you don't do that. We're saved by faith, but you've got to keep the Ten Commandments. We're saved by faith, but you've got to go, go to church. We're saved by faith, but you've got to tithe. You're saved, you know, putting all kinds of conditions on it. They say it, but they don't believe it. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. You are not saved because you're in church today. I once had a cat that had kittens in the oven, but that didn't make them biscuits. <laughs> right? <laughs> going to church going to church doesn't doesn't make you a Christian. Christians go to church. It's one of the proofs that you are a Christian. But that's that's not what makes you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is that you had faith. Faith came alive on the inside in your heart. 
You believe that Jesus actually died for you, for you personally. Not that he died for the sins of the whole world. He did, but he died for you personally. It's a personal thing. I believe that when Jesus hung on that cross, he was thinking about JTH. I believe he was thinking about me. I believe he had me on his mind. And I believe had I been the only one, he would have died for me. Come on, can I get a witness here in this house today? Jesus died for you. Christ died for your sins. He wasn't trying to, trying to mend your fences. He was trying to raise you from the dead. I was more than just in disrepair. I had fallen into death by the sin of Adam, which came on me the day I was born. The day I was conceived. We were conceived in sin. But anything you could do about it. That's why you needed a Savior. You were so lost. You weren't just in need of mending. You were in need. Jesus didn't die to make bad people good? Who ever told you that nonsense? Jesus did not die to make bad people good. Jesus died to make dead people live. Praise God. I was worse than just bad. I was dead. Come on, can I get a good amen here? Praise God. I feel like preaching today. Amen. You get this by faith because you believe it in your heart. Acts 10, chapter, chapter 10, verse 43. The apostle Peter has been summoned to a Gentile's house. The first time it had ever happened. God had never told him to ever go to the Gentiles. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, do not go to the Gentiles. Do not go to the Gentiles. Do not go talk to Gentiles. And he never told them anything different. He told one guy different, but he never told them differently. He told Paul differently. He told the apostle Paul, you go to the Gentiles. Who's he talking about when he's saying Gentiles? He might as well have said Okies, praise God, and Texans. And... Amen. I've been preaching in Texas a long time, you know, and I go down there and they say, how do you wind, off down, wind up down in here being from Oklahoma? I said, well, we pretty much got everybody saved up there, and I got to looking for sinners and look right across, <laughs> right across that river was a whole state full of them. <laughs> Bad sinners. <laughs> you like that, Frank? <laughs> hey, man, most of us got one foot on each side of the river, if we're, if we're honest about it all. <laughs> But Gentiles, that's us. That's us. We're Gentiles. Gentiles. Meaning you are outside the promises of God. We make such a big thing about race in this country. Red and yellow, black and white and brown. We make such a big thing about it. The truth is we're all exactly alike. There's just one people that's different. That's the Jews. They're the only people in the world that are any different. The rest of us are all exactly alike. We got in here by the skin of our teeth by the, what they call the grace of God. Amen. You didn't have a law to keep. The law was never given to you. The law was given to the Jews. In fact, all the Gentiles around the Jews when that law was given were, were pray for them. P-R-E-Y. They weren't praying for them. They were trying to kill them. And that law told them to go kill them. Go wipe them out. That, the same law said, thou shalt not kill. Said, go kill everybody in Canaan's land, even the kids. Even the women that are bearing children, kill them all. Kill them all. Wipe them all out. What in the world does that mean? How does it mean thou shalt not kill then? Well, that just tells you the fact that thou shalt not kill and the Ten Commandments was not written for everybody. It was written for the Jews. Right. Now, let me say to you, I don't need a law telling me not to kill. I got a spirit speaking from the inside telling me. I don't even think about killing anybody. Miss Ann thinks about it once in a while in the kitchen, but <laughs> depends on how I'm acting, you understand. No, you don't think about it. When you get when you got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you, you don't think about killing people. 
All that flipping them off goes away. All that cussing them out goes away. All that hating people goes away. Doing, doing the, the crazy things that, well, you understand, I would drive up and down the North Central Expressway. That's why that stuff came to my mind. mind. All that goes away because you've got a Holy Spirit living inside. I could tell my students constantly. I have one class that's nearly 500 students. I said, listen to me. Don't you forget, you've received the Spirit of the living God. But let's not forget, His first name is Holy. That's why you don't need a law. You've got the living God on the inside of you. You don't need him to come do something for you. All you need to do is stir up the gift that's in you. Glory be to God. Just stir it up from the inside, and you'll live as holy as anybody ever lived. The Bible says that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. What that means is there is no higher standard than what God has already done in you. Ooh, I'm going to say that again. You have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. That means there is no higher standard than the one that is in you. Brother Larry, you're as good as it gets. Praise be to God. There is no higher. If you are the righteousness of God in Christ, if God made you to be him to be sin for us and you to be righteousness for him, hallelujah, that means that there is no higher standard than the one that's on the inside of you. Praise be to God. I don't know what that does for you, but this Christmas time, that makes me feel good all under. Praise God. Praise God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And the apostle Peter, he goes to these Gentiles and he starts to preach to them. And he says this message, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name whoever believes on him shall receive the remission of sins. It's it's an amazing thing. Whoever believes. Now Peter did not preach like this to the Jews. Peter did not preach like this to the Jews. When he was preaching at at Acts chapter 2, you remember what he said? Repent for killing your Messiah. God sent you his son and you killed him. That's how he talked to them. That's not how he talked to these Gentiles. They said, what must we do to be saved? Back in Acts chapter 2, the Jews asked him, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, you shall receive the remission of sins. Well, okay. Is that what he said to these Gentiles? Not at all. Not even close. Wow, to him give all the prophets witness that whoever believes on his name shall receive the remission of sins. And while he was yet speaking, look at verse 44. While he was yet speaking those words. While he was still saying, believe on Jesus, the Holy Ghost fell on all those who heard that word. Glory to God. The Holy Ghost fell on all those who heard the word. I wonder, I wonder if we wouldn't have to preach so much about trying to get people to move in the Spirit if we just preach faith in Jesus. We just preach faith a little bit, then the Holy Ghost will start moving. Amen. He follows that faith message. Hallelujah. I said he follows the faith message. We preach about faith, get our hearts conditioned to believe God, then the Holy Ghost will move. You won't have to churn it up. You won't have to work it up. You won't have to do anything. Things will just start happening. Your heart will just start leaping. Your heart will just start hearing. Your heart will just start yearning and reaching out and taking hold of the things of God. And the Spirit of God will do His, do his work if you just believe. Amen. Well, I was trying to turn him up, work him up, work him up. All Peter was doing, preaching faith. Preaching faith in Jesus. And soon as he preached faith in Jesus, the Holy Ghost fell on all those who heard that word. My, that's a powerful thought. It's a powerful thought. It's a powerful thought. Amen. Amen. Preaching faith in Jesus. That's why I'm going to keep preaching faith in Jesus. And look at chapter 15, verse 7. Scroll with me a little while, if you will. Acts 15, we're just talking about the first Gentiles were saved by faith, and so are all others. I'm not, don't take my word for it that that's what happened there when we read that in 43 and 44. 
Acts chapter 10. Take the apostles' word for what happened there. Because the apostle Peter comes along a little bit later, and he starts explaining what happened there. And it's Acts chapter 15 and verse 7, when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said to the men, this is the first council of the church. They all got together to talk it over. Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the gospel and believe. Hear the word of the gospel and believe. And verse 8, And God, which knows the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us, between them, between us and them, purifying their hearts. How? By faith. You understand? You understand what we're saying here? The Apostle Peter is saying that he goes back to Acts chapter 10, not Acts chapter 2. He goes back to Acts chapter 10 to describe what had happened. And he knows when it happened when he was preaching faith. Hallelujah. And he said that it must have been that me talking about faith in Jesus caused them to receive the Holy Ghost. What, happened, what must have happened before they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost was their hearts must have been purified by what they believed. Because your life will go in the direction of that which you truly believe. Your life will go in the direction of that which you truly believe. And when you believe that Jesus died for your sins and truly believe that, then your sins were nailed to that cross. Amen. It, God, God did it 2,000 years ago, and you do it the moment you believe it. He did it for you 2,000 years ago, but you activate it personally the moment you believe it. The moment you believe it. The moment you believe it. That's why witnessing ought to be easier than you think it is. Most of us think witnessing is so hard. But if you can just talk, about people, talk to people about what happened to you, I just believe there's no bad way to tell a lost person about Jesus. <laughs> there's no bad way to tell, tell a lost person about Jesus. Just say something. Just say anything. They're desperate. They need to hear it. You don't have to be a theologian. Just say, all I know is I once was lost, and now I see. I, I'm found. I, I was blind, but now I see. I was lost and going to hell, but now I'm going to glory. Hallelujah. You really believe that, don't you? Yeah, I really believe that. They told a story about, about an atheist that was caught going into an R.W. Shambach meeting. The guy was going, walking up the sidewalk into the church where R.W. Shambach was preaching. You know the wild man. I don't know if you've ever heard of Shambach. Look him up sometime on, on YouTube. There's lots of sermons you can listen to. R.W. Shambach. He was, uh, he was one of the great old wild preachers. He's a little bit scary, but stay with him. You'll like it. They said he was, he was preaching, there and it was an old atheist that was going to go listen to him because he'd heard him on the radio. And somebody said, why are you going in there to hear him? You don't even believe anything he says. He said, I know it. But boy, he believes it. <laughs> you don't have to convince anybody to believe in what you believe. Just convince them that you believe it. Just convince them you believe it. Amen. They're going to come around. I just believe it. They're going to come around. Praise God. In the verse 10, that same chapter, Acts chapter 15, it says, Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither their fathers nor we were able to bear? Well, what the, ne the yoke was was circumcision and the law. They said they must circumcise their children and keep the law. He said, We nor our, our forefathers were able to bear this. Why are you going to tempt God and try to do this? You, see, you understand what's going on here? Why, why you're tempting God is God has given, provided an answer, provided a way for men to be to men to, for men to be made righteous. And men continually with their traditions want to supplant that with other things. The apostle says here, Peter says here, this is tempting God. What you do is you trample on the blood of Jesus by doing that. 
by saying that there's other things you must do in order to be saved. That faith in Jesus' blood is not enough. You understand? This is tempting God. Why do you want to tempt God by doing this? This is is a pretty powerful thought. The grace of God has been revealed to mankind. It is the will of God for you to understand there's not one thing you could do about your salvation, but that by the grace of God, Jesus came. And then if you will believe that simple simple message that a two-year-old, four-year-old can understand, a child can understand that they are sinners and they need somebody to save them. Not try to save them. Not try to save them, but save them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10. Oh, I think it is. Yeah, 1 Thessalonians 1, 10. Israel, can you put that up there real quick, like? Just for the record. 1 Thessalonians 1, 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now, 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 I want you to hear the understanding of this. One translation says delivers us from the wrath to come. But either way, either in the presently delivering us or has delivered us, it's the same thing. If I am right now delivered from the wrath that is coming. Everybody follow me. If I am right now delivered from the wrath that is coming, if that wrath ever gets me, I am not right now delivered. Oh, I'm helping you here. That says I am right now delivered from what is yet to come. I'm not delivered if it comes today. I'm delivered if it's yet to come. Here's how most, most of Christianity looks at it. You're standing on the side of the street. You've got a little girl standing here. And her mom is across the street. And she darts across the street in front of a truck to run to her mom. And you reach out there and grab the child and pull the child back. Did you deliver the child from destruction, the, the, the wrath that was coming? Yeah, you did. But most of Christianity sees that child wiggling loose and running out there and getting hit, hit and killed anyway. Is that mom across the street going to say, thanks for saving my child? No, she's going to say, thanks for trying. So what most of the religion says, thanks, Jesus, for trying to save the world. Thanks, Jesus, for trying. Are you hearing me? No, Jesus did save the world. Amen. When he died, he put it to death. Praise God. He delivered us from the wrath that is yet to come. That means that wrath will never get you. Glory be to God. You're here by grace through faith. Hallelujah. I just want your heart to believe this today. I want you to believe today. Rise up big and take hold of what God has provided for you. Verse 11 says, back, back in Acts 15, back in Acts 15. But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So now here's a Jew saying we believe that we Jews are going to be saved the same way they are. Now they're supposed to keep the law. I understand that. But not for, not for righteousness. Righteousness does not come a myriad of ways. Righteousness doesn't even come two different ways. Righteousness comes one way through faith in Jesus and his blood. Amen. Come on, you ought to high five somebody and say, that's good right there. That's good stuff right there. All right. Now, having said that, having said what we said there, I need you to, I need you to stay with me in number 20. Remember? I, I, remember? Okay. 
There's chocolate milk in this for you. Don't throw it away because it doesn't meet your traditions, okay? I want to say to you that the Bible teaches that water baptism is more than a symbol. Water baptism is more than a symbol. You have the two extremes in Christianity about water baptism. You have the one side that says, if you're not baptized, you're not saved. I agree, they're not saved. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I wouldn't say that, but that's how it feels. If you're not baptized, you're not saved, especially if you're not baptized where I was and the way I was, and you're not saved. Oh, gosh, I don't want to be like them. Y'all, anybody here from up north? You from up north? Okay. You know why Texans and Okies talk the way we do? Because we don't want to sound like we're from up north. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> we, uh, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that bunch over there. Everything's about baptism. But then there's the other side that believes in it. That believes in it, but it's just a symbol. It's just a symbol of something. Listen, I don't believe in that. All the symbols are in the Old Testament. This is the real deal in the New. Something's really happening when you're baptized. Let me tell you what it is. When you're baptized in the Christian sense, and we're going to back this up with Scripture, not like John the Baptist. You've got to get John the Baptist out of your mind. John the Baptist is not our kind of baptism at all. It's an Old Testament baptism. Old Testament baptism has nothing to do with you. And it was a baptism of repentance. Heavy discussion about repentance when it comes to that baptism. Repentance, repentance, repentance. And by the way, very little use of the word repentance or the idea of repentance when it came to winning Gentiles to Jesus. The scriptures just hardly have any of it. I'm not saying never, but almost never. That heavy message of repentance was all to the Jews, God's covenant people. That people who were already in the covenant needed to repent. And by the way, can I say to you, that's what I'm asking you to do right, to, right today, listening to me teach these things. I'm asking you to, have a heart of, and a mind of repentance because it's not so much about your heart, it really is about your mind. Repentance is the Greek, comes from the Greek word metanoia, M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A, metanoia. That is to change what you know or change the way you think or change your mind. Okay? Anybody here ever had to change your mind? Uh, yeah, praise God. All the married folks said amen. Yeah, <laughs> had to change your mind. You thought it was going to be one way, it turns out he... He wasn't going that way. Metanoia. You got to change your mind. It's all, it's all repentance means. But metanoia doesn't save anybody. Changing your mind doesn't save you. You got to get a heart change. Praise God. That just comes by faith. Amen. Amen. That's how you're born again. You're not born again because you changed your mind. You're born again because your heart got born all over again. That happens by faith. Believing in Jesus. Now, then from then on, you're working on that metanoia thing. You're working on that repentance thing. You're getting that mind changed. Getting it worked. Getting, getting, getting the mind of Christ manifested in your life. Because you have it. You have the access to it. We just get it by faith. But I'm going to tell you, in these thoughts, in this passage of Scripture, water baptism is more than a symbol. In this respect, that when you are born again, you become a new creature in Christ. You become a brand new creature. All right? But you still have an old man that is dead and away from God. But you have a new man on the inside. How do you deal with the old man? Well, he's dead, but how do you deal with him? You deal with him the same way you deal with any other dead person. You take them out and bury them. That's what Christian baptism is about. It's about burying the old man. My old man was buried in the waters of Lake Murray, Oklahoma, and 
Carter and Love County. Y'all ever been there? That's where he is. The old holler is buried right there. My parents were buried in the Red River. Glory to God. Amen. Yeah, that's not where their bodies are, but they're, they're, their old man's buried out there in that water. I believe it's really happening. I believe it really does wash away your sins, wash away the, the old sinful nature. It washes him away. You weren't, that, that's not you anymore. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Can I have a good amen? amen? You see, so baptism is more than a symbol. Something spiritual, something supernatural, something important in your life is, is, is happening. And it's important that everyone gets baptized. Okay? Okay, you understand? I, I don't really believe in sprinkling. I don't think the Bible teaches it. I'm not against you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting anybody down. There's chocolate milk here, remember? I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just saying that if you just dig a hole and sprinkle a little dirt over it, you're not really burying the thing. <laughs> I had one of my kittens die. I had two kittens and one of them died. I had to bury the cat in the driving rain. I had to bury the cat in the driving rain. Buried the little cat. But I buried the thing. I didn't sprinkle dirt over it. Because I didn't want that cat stinking up my life. You understand? I have two grandmothers that have both passed away. And I loved my grandmothers dearly. Both of them could cook like, I mean, food like you've never tasted. Well, nearly as good as Miss Ann's food. I mean, they was real good cooks. These two. <laughs> nearly as good as hers. Uh, but, you know, and, oh, my grandma reigns. My mama's mama could make the best banana pudding. And she knew just how to serve it. Ladies, just in case you want to know, you serve banana pudding warm. Not hot, not cold. You serve it warm out of the oven. Oh, my Granny Rains could make that banana pudding. And I just, I just hurry through everything just to get to that banana pudding before my Uncle Wayne did. I don't know if you've ever been over to Love County, but there's this great big giant of a man that rides a little motorcycle, looks like a, looks like a bear on a tricycle. That's my Uncle Wayne Rains. Have you seen him? <laughs> yeah, probably from, from here, huh? He's big. Uh, that, uh, that thought about my granny being such a sweet person and how she could cook and all. But you know, when she died, we knew we had to bury her. No matter how sweet she was, if you prop granny up in the back bedroom, she's going to stink up your life. She's got to be buried. So water baptism is more than a symbol. Something really is happening. And uh, I'm not trying to get people to be baptized today. I'm just teaching you that most of the church misunderstands this. Most of the body of Christ thinks it's either absolutely mandatory or it's just a symbol. But the truth is it's somewhere in the middle. Amen. Something is happening, but it's not mandatory for you to be saved. But it is far more than just a symbol. Just like communion is the same thing. I'll just go ahead and throw communion in here with this. Communion is the same way. Somebody said, well, if you don't take communion, then you're missing the real body of Christ because it becomes the body and blood of Christ upon transubstantiation. I said, oh, I don't believe that. And others say, no, it's just a symbol of the blood of Jesus. I said, no, I don't believe that either. The Bible teaches me that faith is the substance of things hoped for. That cup and that bread is what my faith says it is. Now it's a substance. Amen. Can I have a good amen? You understand? You don't have to believe one thing or the other just because the, ch the church has chosen sides. The Bible will teach you the truth if you'll just let the Bible teach you the truth. Your life is guided by what you believe. And I say that that bread, 
is the body of Christ and that cup is the, is the blood of Jesus. I don't care if it's transubstantiated or not. All I need to do is use my faith, praise God. And faith dictates what it is. Faith is the substance. Can I have a good amen? You understand where we're coming from? All right. Acts chapter 19, verse 3. Acts chapter 19, verse 3. We'll read about four verses here. Acts 19, 3 says, And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? The apostle Paul asking the Ephesians. They said unto John's baptism. Then Paul said, John truly baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe, you see, repentance under John, believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. How did, how, how did we miss this? It's clear as day. Verse 4, and then verse 5 says, When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. These people had already been baptized. But that baptism did not wash away their sinful nature. The new one did. Their old man had died now. They believed on Jesus. And it was time to be baptized, not for repentance, but to put away the old man. It's a different thing. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Some things you just need to get out of your life. That's all there is to it. Some things, not, I'm not going to preach much longer, but I'm going to give you this. Some things you just need to get out of your life. I've told this story before, but recently somebody asked me to tell it again soon, so now's the time to tell it. And I'm over 50. I can tell them twice. I can tell them three times if I want to. <laughs> I paid my dues. I have 10 grandchildren. Years ago, my wife was a city girl, you know, and I'm a country boy. And out in the country in Love County, nobody buys animals that don't work for a living. If you buy an animal, it's because it's a cow dog or a coon dog or a hog dog. That dog's going to work for a living if you buy the thing. Nobody in Thackerville, I probably in the history of the town, has ever bought a pet. You don't buy pets in Thackerville, Oklahoma. If you accidentally drag your plow over your favorite pet, you don't, you don't, you don't even hardly worry about it. You might cry till you get to the end of the row and come back. Then you think, hey, this is great. I go over him again, now he's buried. I don't even have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I know that makes city folks cringe, but, you know, on the farm, life is hard. <laughs> life is hard, especially on pets. They come and go. But if you, if you lose your favorite pet, you don't do anything. You don't go buy another one. You just put food out on the back porch. In a few days, somebody from one of the cities, Ardmore or Gainesville, going to drop a new dog off at your house. <laughs> it's going to haul them off, and they're going to wind up at your place. There's free food. Amen. You don't have to find them. They'll find you. Come on, you better know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I've had lots of stray dogs become my dogs. Well, Miss Ann here, she wanted a specific kind of dog. She liked shopping for animals. You know, like it's registered Hereford or something, you know, just pet. She wanted a blonde cocker spaniel. I said, honey, these, these dogs are expensive. Yeah, I'm talking about 25 years ago, probably. It was many years ago. We were, we were youth pastors, you know, trying to make a living, just barely getting by. Where's Israel? <laughs> just barely getting by on a youth pastor's salary, you know. She says, I want to buy a blonde cock spaniel. I said, honey, are you kidding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I won't want, oh, gosh. Okay, so 
One day she comes to me, and these dogs, were, we, we, we priced them. Back then they were $500, $800, depending on the pedigree. Well, I said, I could buy a horse for that. <laughs> a horse that couldn't help me make money. Cocker Spaniels, they don't help you make money. They just lay around and shed. One day she comes to me, she, said, she shows me the newspaper, and it's circled in red. And it says, blonde, full-blooded, it says full-blooded, blonde Cocker Spaniels, not papered, $50, not registered. I said, honey, honey, if it says not registered, you got no guarantee these are full-blooded. They say full-blooded because they look full-blooded, but that doesn't mean that they are. These may not be the real deal. I mean, you might get her bred, you know, by some high-powered Cocker Spaniel and wind up with a spotted dog of some kind. Because, <laughs> you know, genetics, it's a funny thing. She said, I don't care as long as they look like them. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. We paid the 50 bucks. I went over, went over to the guy's house. Went in, went in before we paid the 50 bucks. We went over to the guy's house. And in his backyard, he has a regular menagerie. That's a zoo. Had, had a regular <laughs> zoo in his backyard. And I, I mean, every kind of animal you could think of was in that backyard. Backyard about the size of this, about the size of this auditorium. And he had chickens and guineas, and he had a lamb, and he had a billy goat, and he had, I just had all kinds of animals back there. I guess he grandfathered it in. He's right up in the middle of town. He brought us around there, and chickens everywhere, and roosters, you know. And, and he pulled open the door and climbed in and into this makeshift doghouse with really just plyboard he had tacked together, and it was under the chicken coop. And, uh, and he, he commenced to pulling out puppies. I don't know how many was there. I always say five or seven. I, I, don't, I don't remember, but it was a bunch of them. And he lined them up like a beauty pageant. You know, they just all lined up there, and Ann's just looking at all of them. She said, which one do you think is the cutest? I said, are you kidding? They're all twins, just over and over and over, twins. That's, get one of them. She said, I did. And she said, oh, I think this one's got the cutest face, don't you? I said, certainly, that one's got the cutest face. Let's take it and let's go. <laughs> Paid the guy the 50 bucks. I couldn't tell them apart at all. We took the dog home, named her Buffy, and put her in a box and put her under the, under the, under the uh, 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 microwave oven in the kitchen. That's when we had microwaves that are on a separate table, you know, back when. They'd just come out, and we, you know, we'd turn it on and go out of the room, look at the thing. Thought it, thought it, <laughs> thought it might be radioactive, you know. She... Uh, we put, we, we play, the kids played with the dog all night. They just loved her and cuddled her and everything. And so uh, we, we turned out the lights and we got her in her box. I'm laying in my bed, and it must have been about 2 o'clock in the morning, something like that, if I remember right. And I hear a sound, and it goes like this. Oh! Oh! I sat straight up in bed, adrenaline pumping, going... And I looked over my hands up. I said, what was that? She said, I don't know. Oh, what is that? She said, it's that puppy. I said, a puppy crowing like a rooster? Are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, I know they said she wasn't full-blooded, but I didn't know you could cross them with chickens. I didn't, <laughs> didn't know that. So I jumped out of my bed and I ran down the hallway and flipped on the light and there she was, her nose pointed toward heaven. Oh! I said, shut up, you stupid dog. If you're going to crow, wait till sun up like the rest of them. <laughs> she was lonely. I said, boy, what a deal. No wonder the dog was 50 bucks. He can't howl straight. 
crows. I'm telling you with my hand up. It, you see my Boy Scout salute? It, just like I'm telling you. Friends would come over. We thought that was funny. Friends would come over, and we'd get her out, and we'd play with her a little bit, and we'd stick her in the closet and shut the door, and we'd just wait. <laughs> From in the closet, she'd start, start that crowing again. <laughs> Funniest thing I ever heard. One friend came over, and he said, boy, you really got took, didn't you? And I said, well, not if she goes to laying eggs. Uh, it's going to be all right, I think. Well, she didn't go to laying eggs. And about two weeks went by, and I noticed her little howl was going straight up and straight down. And she kind of got to where she wasn't doing it much, but when she did howl, it was straight up and straight down. Oh, just like any dog. I never once have to give that little dog howling lessons. All right, repeat after me, Buffy. Straight up, straight down. Oh, now you try. I, I never had to do that. Never had to give it a, a barking lesson. Yeah, now you try. All right, let's do, let's do the growl. You go next. No, I never had to do that. I've taught a lot of students, but I never had to teach that dog any of that. <laughs> never had to teach that dog any of that. You know why? Because it was in the dog to do it. But she had just hung out with the wrong influences. She had just hung out with the wrong influences, made her act like she wasn't born to act. See, what's really wrong with most of the most believers I know isn't that they're not born again, but they spend so much of their time with people who are not that they tend to act like others. When you were not called, you are not called as a believer to crow like a rooster. You're called to howl. You're a pedigree, glory to God. You've got papers on you, praise God. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. You're, you're, you're called to howl, growl, and tear it up like a pedigree. Amen. Because you have the right. You have the right before God as one who's been born again, to be called by that wonderful name. Registered. Amen. I'm registered in the book. I don't have to act like them. But what water baptism does for you is it helps cut you off from your past. It helps cut you off from your past and give you a new walk. Amen. Can we stop right there today? Have you gotten anything out of this? I hope you have. Well... I want to ask you to bow your heads with me just for a minute. The Bible says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. There are three points to that. Christ died for our sins. That means that we were sinners and could do nothing about it, so God made an answer. God made a way and gave us an answer to our condition. Christ died for our sins. And He was buried. That means He took our sins completely away from us. He was buried. And then the Bible also says that He rose again from the dead. That means for you and I, and when you come to faith in Christ, you become a brand new creature. You, you have, you have gone, gone in Christ. You've already gone to hell and back. And now you're alive unto God once and for all forever. There is no going back now. This is a powerful message, and it is the only message that saves. If you believe this from your heart, now who in this room here will say, Preacher, I'm not there yet. I've never made Jesus Lord of my life. I've never confessed Him as Lord. I've never... Never made a confession that Christ died for my sins. But I need to. I need to know today. I need to come to know Jesus in this personal relationship, this personal walk. Is that you? If you're here today and you say, I'd like you to pray for me concerning that, would you just raise a hand? I want to pray for you. 
one of the maybe people in this room that say, I, I, I'm, I'm right with God, but, I, but I'm, not, I'm not sure about my life. I'm not sure about where. There you are. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Let me, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for these who raised their hands and said, I want to make things right. We believe, Lord, that your blood cleanses everything. And just with a show of a hand, faith is at work here in these lives. And you saw them, Lord. You know their hearts. And now today, I'm going to ask all of you people here in this room to pray this prayer with me. And let's pray it from our hearts and helping those who are making a commitment today. Dear God in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe your promise that Christ died for my sins, that he settled the score, that he wiped it out for me and made me new, that he was buried, that he rose again. I believe this from my heart. And you promise says that if I believe this, I become new. I believe I'm new. I'm a new man inside. I'm a new person inside. And I'll never be the same. Thank you, Lord. I take your promise today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. If you prayed that prayer today and you meant that from your heart, the Lord is with you. Let's stand up on our feet. Amen. We want all of you to stay. Everybody stay and eat with us. We're going to have a great time. There's lots of food over there. Just going to fellowship. and Everybody's invited to celebrate with our volunteers. And, and uh, Amen. Miss Ann is not here today, but Casey's here, and Greg is here, and Frank is here, and Dylan is here, and Larry's here, all of our elders. And, and if you need prayer, or well, we want to pray with you, we believe in the laying on of hands. We believe in signs, wonders, and miracles. We believe that this God who raised the dead still raises the dead. We believe this God who walked the shores of Galilee and healed the sick still heals the sick. Amen. So if you have any needs today, we want to be sure that we pray with you and have someone to agree with you because there are people here full of faith and ready to do just that. All right? Let's go out of here with a shout. Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness to us. I ask that in the name of Jesus, you'll bless your people as they go from this place. I thank you, Lord, that you've made us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, first, not last. Victors, no longer victims. Thank you that though their enemies come out at them in one direction, they'll just have to flee in seven because we are blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in our basket, and blessed in the storehouse. And everything our hand touches prospers. Thank you, Father dear, that you cause the mountains and the hills to break forth with singing and the trees of the field to clap their hands as the people of God go forth with joy. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Bless you, folks. I love you all very much.